0: you know we're living in perilous times i guess every in every day and every time and every age they say the same thing we're living in perilous times it's perilous because we happen to be here when everything is when everything is going on and so um we find ourselves in a uh uh a place where there's so much meanness uh and there is so much uh uh side choosing and uh, and, it's, and it's based on our, on our views, so I'd like to remind us that uh, there's an, uh, an admonition about being so firmly attached to our views. It said, if you want to realize the truth, don't be for or against. Don't get entangled in the world, and yet don't get lost in emptiness. The great way isn't difficult for those who are unattached to their preferences. So it doesn't mean that we don't have preferences, but there is a way that we hold our preferences lightly so that we don't get in, uh, attached uh, to them. It says, because if you select and reject everything, you can't perceive the true nature of things. And so we're encouraged to step aside from all thinking, and there's nowhere we can't go. That That's what I love so much about a concentration practice that leads to certain meditative attainments because it puts you, it posits you in a place where uh, you, you are no longer attached to your views. Uh, it, it, it takes you to a place that you can see the full breadth, the full depth, the full scope of an issue. And you can find a place in it and yet not reject, uh, just overtly, the opposite of your view. If we get into this space, there allows an inquiry that we can uh, create a conversation around. We can understand through listening to the other side's view. You know, I I had some difficulty these last couple of years just holding fast to my niceness, you know? Um, and I was wondering what it is that I could do that could make it uh, a, a little bit more palatable to be cordial to people who didn't agree with my view. And I decided, you know, like just offhand, they're just wrong. And so what they need to do is get right. And, and I was there to like instruct them and in write righteousness, you know, and rightness. But just contemplating this, because you know how you feel inside. Uh, and, and whenever there is anger arising, you know, that's sort of like giving somebody, uh, like taking poison, hoping somebody else will die. It's like it rolls around in you, and it literally, you know, burns you up. It consumes you inside. And so I was wondering what I could do, and I went into a a deep search, an inquiry on the wisdom. We are always looking to our experts for for wisdom, uh, how to handle the vicissitudes of life, the issues of life. But, you know, the Buddha had some wisdom himself. Uh, and I wonder how often we go to his wisdom. A lot of us like like we're not trying to hear that right now. And so we don't really want to go too deep. It, it's like uh asking us to do like a little bit too much. And uh and so we'd like to stay with our experts who uh who are are uh touched with issues in the ways that we are so they understand why I feel this way and how I could feel this way. And it looks like the Buddha like just has like no mercy, you know he gives us no place to hide, but that is the very uh gateway to our deliverance. It's the gateway uh it is the path leading uh upward the path that allows us to perch at the uh apex of the issues and be able to look down and and peruse the land and and have a a way of speaking into it that can allow there to be a harmonization, a transformation, an integration, a unification. And we have to reach for that in times like these. Just a little reach is not gonna be enough. We have to reach high, high, high on our tippy toes if we want to impact the world when everything is on fire. And so I um, was searching for a teaching on this, you know, you know when a teaching is a good teaching because it holds your feet to the fire. You know when a teaching is a good teaching and, uh, because, and when it's a, an, a, an enlightened teaching because we know we're not enlightened. And when we read it, we don't agree with it. We know, <laughs> we know when a teaching is a good teaching, though, when we say, oh, I, I wish it could be that way. But reality says it's like this. And so I wanted to share this teaching uh, from the Tibetan tradition tonight, from the Lam Rem Chan Mo uh, training man- manual, the chapter on equanimity. And it's talking about the friend, the enemy, and the stranger. And we're constantly confronted with the these three root poisons, the greed, the Hatred that expresses itself in various degrees of of anger and delusion. And it says that greed points out the friend who helps. Anger points out the enemy who hinders or separates one from their happiness. So we've never thought of greed as a pointer, like any good aspect of it. And it's not saying that it is, but it's saying uh, uh, to understand clearly why and how we choose our friends. You know, friends have a benefit. You know, friends come with benefits. <laughs> and and if you don't get that benefit, then you may not consider them a friend or they're like a far friend, not a close, a close friend. That benefit could be anything from uh, agreeing with what you agree with doing what you what you need done uh, you know you can just run the gamut of how you uh speak of your friends and what your friends offer you they offer you something there is a benefit to having a friend uh the anger points out the enemy who hinders or separates if you don't do what i say don't do what i want don't think like i think you know then uh we are uh, uh opposed to each other. It says that this reasoning comes from past and present and projected thoughts of who will help and who will hinder. Now this is our normal way of assessing and developing friendship. At the end of this I'm going to talk about true friendship and then we might have to go home and reevaluate how much of a friend are we and Uh, exactly who are our friends, and why they are our friends, and is that the right reason? Hmm. It says that ignorance discriminates the stranger who neither helps nor hinders. So you have friends, and you have enemies, and then you have the rest of the people. You know, and the rest of the people are those like they don't really do anything for you, then they don't take anything from you, they don't hinder. So, uh, in that uh, state of ignorance, we have the stranger. And as a result of these, anger hates and seeks to harm the enemy, greed attaches to and supports and helps the friend, and ignorance sees the stranger with indifference. By following the advice of these negative mind appearances, one becomes involved in dukkha and suffering. But he says for us to think deeply about this and to really look at it, the the present friend, enemy, and stranger have not always been the friend, the enemy, and the stranger. He said, even in past countless lives, but if you don't embrace that, not a problem. Even the friend of yesterday is not necessarily your friend today. And the one who was a friend this morning is not necessarily a friend this afternoon. It all depends on what has occurred between morning and afternoon. Someone uh, just shared something with me today about a friend, long-time friend. But she said one thing to her to say, did you really mean to approach me that way? And suddenly, she was no longer her friend. She was her friend as long as there was a certain exchange, as long as one got what one wanted. But the minute there came up just a, a little challenge... Sometimes it's like that we, we have a friend, and we don't even know what happened. What happened. We don't know what happened. I like like, what did I do? What did I say? You know But we shouldn't be alarmed, not those of us who are in higher training. You know I mean, uh, be alarmed if you're ordinary, you know, run-of-the-mill, untaught, <laughs> worldling. But if you're a disciple of the Buddha in higher training, we shouldn't even be perplexed. Because we understand that in the ordinary mind, greed points out the friend. What can you do for me? What do you give me? What, how do you build me up? How are you there for me? And at any moment that you're not doing any one of those things, it flips just like a you know, turn of the head. There's, there's a flip just that quick. Cut it off. Of course, they might be back if they need something later. <laughs> and, and, and really, that's okay. You know, I, I know many people. I'm a friend to them, but I already know they are not a friend to me, you know, because I know what constitutes friendship, and I know how the ordinary mind thinks. It says uh, it can change within an hour, and it does so. Why? Because of attachment to, and it says food and clothing. That means the things that we need, our necessities, what's important to us, the things we have to have, and reputation or ego. So if one tries to befriend an enemy for a moment, he can become your friend. The same thing occurs when one treats a friend as an enemy in a moment, just with the shifting of the mind based on necessity. Something I want, something I think I need, how it affects me, my uh, self nature, my ego nature there was um, a person in our sangha and you know sanghas are tough ah <laughs> uh, yeah mm. and we and we have like a, a spiritual community and everybody like you know this 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 romanticism you know, around that sort of thing. You know, we're all gonna live together and work together, play together, and sing "Kumbaya." And uh, but but when you get there and you find out, well, you know, these are people I wouldn't even associate with out out in the world. That's not like who I, I would choose to be a friend. We start to really understand about our preferences then. You know, like I, I mean, they're all right, but you know, that I, I would I wouldn't choose. I wouldn't choose anyone. And they're thinking maybe the same thing about you. No. And so there comes a little difficulty. The difficulty being those people out in the world that you could interact with, you know, for whatever limited time, at the end of the day, you can go home. But in a spiritual community, (laughs) everybody's home. There's no place to go to get away from those that you would not choose consciously to live with, and so, in a few weeks, a lot of dissatisfaction can arise because we're looking at what this one is doing, what this one's not doing um and uh and we're finding our our uh places that we can uh, uh separate uh based on how we think about things and I mean we can be all uh looking at the same scripture we all agree that it says the same thing but when we get up and try to live that walk it out be like like the the living teaching i don't know what happens to it now all the languages change you know the it's the tower of babel every you know and everybody is con- confounded you know and everybody thinks the other one is at fault and so he says therefore knowledgeable ones are never attached to food, clothing, you know, necessities, reputation, and ego. Nor are they attached to friends or enemies. Uh Uh-oh. Because they understand the impermanence of temporal relationships. See, to survive and to be of help in the world, we're going to have to understand temporal relationships. And we cannot require of people something that they can't give. We have to know that the childish work for their own benefit but the Buddha's work for the benefit of others. He said, what need is there to say more? Just look at the difference between them. And so he, he lets us know and he encourages us to not be so discriminating between the friend and the enemy. And to examine ourselves, what is the true friendship? The friend gives uh, what is hard to give. The friend does what is hard to do. Am I that kind of friend? Do I give what's hard to give? Can I do what is hard to do? Can I endure what is hard to endure? Can I endure ill-spoken, painful words? When one is publicly shaming me and abusing me, can I consider them my kind teacher? Because when that anger starts to rise, oops, I didn't know that was there. They allowed that to come to the surface so that I can see it. My ways of of dealing and interacting with them. So there was this person in the sangha and they did... um, they just decided that they wanted to have a sangha, <laughs> and uh, you know it can be kind of difficult to build one. It takes a lot, um, but if you know some dharma, right, uh, then you come in and you start drawing a few, a couple here, a couple there, to you with your pithy sayings. You know, next thing you know, you think you've got a little core group. I don't know who this is for. I'm just saying. You got a little core group. And the next thing you know, she had moved down the street. And she took a group of people with her. But you know, you got to be able to back up your talk. And in a little while, it became apparent that she had the words. You know, but she wasn't the living dharma we have to live it a lot of us have the words the buddha said or if we don't go around what the buddha said we're still popping it off like it's our own wisdom maybe you know but you know, can can our life bear that out when the times are tough when the going gets rough can you truly, when you're addressing the vicissitudes of life, when there's uh, blame coming, when there's shame coming, when there's loss coming, when there's pain in your life, can you hold it as equally well as you do when there is fame, and when there's praise, and when there's gain, and when there's pleasure? The Buddha said, when... Uh, uh, I think uh, negative, destructive thoughts. The mind is agitated. He said, but when I think positive, uh, self-fulfilling thoughts, the mind is still agitated. (laughs) And so the kind of happiness that he talks about is not based on getting anything or having anyone out here. It's purely based on the the inner refinement, and we, as we sit in that crucible, you know, we become uh, stainless, and we become non-attached, uh, not leaning this way or that way, and not picking and making our choices based on uh, how it benefits the small ego self, but we start looking for that place that we can bring people together, not around our view, but what is supportive of life and liberty. And so we train. We have to train. Train first to recognize the ditty, the wrong view. And then we have to work at uprooting. Yeah. The uprooting part, I mean, sometimes we can recognize, but just like I'm working on that. Yeah. But it takes more than just working on it. It's like practice. We should get rid of that word practice. Well, it's not like my practice is this, and my practice is that, you know? But uh, practice is like, like being a water boy. You never gets out on the field. At some point, we want to be able to play in a real game. And those of us who think that, that, you know, like there's nowhere to go and nothing to do, there is somewhere to go and something to do until we get there. Then there's nowhere to go and nothing to do. It's like you can't just run out on the 50-yard line and dance in a circle. You got to move towards... The goal, and it needs to be the right one, too running in the right direction. Right? You know That's why he talks about write this and write that." You know And right in the sense of, of beneficial uh, you, and useful, not like, "I'm right and you're wrong," but right in the sense of what, what uh, encourages, what uplifts, what's beneficial, what's uh, useful, what uh, inures to goodness and peace and harmony. That, that's what he means. So if there's a right mindfulness and he has to say right mindfulness, then we have to know that, that there is, can be a wrong mindfulness. Yeah. And so we try to figure out how, how to win over the other side. Not like we've tried reasoning, we've d- you know, uh, but at our wits' end. So, so I, w- I, I, uh, you know, there are a lot of people in my song, and they want to have a lot of discussions about views and, and uh, you know, issues like around social justice, around, uh, well, I won't call it politics, but but things that affect our lives, all of our lives. And most of us have a certain view, but some of us had um, other views. Now, I knew my side of the story. I knew, my, I knew my end game. But I wasn't that aware of the other side. Why? Because to me, it just didn't, it didn't make sense. I gave it little respect. I gave, it, I gave their view no regard. But I decided I would do something. You know, I have a regular station that I listen to and watch all the time. You know, those guys agree with me. Um, I agree with them. And so I just get full of our mutual opinion about the, the state of affairs. So I decided that for a week, I would listen to another station. The first day (laughs) was extremely difficult. So I had to, um, uh, I was beyond contemplation, I was praying. (laughs) (laughs) And I was ranting and yelling at the TV and I was giving them the facts, uh, but then the second day, I was just thinking in my mind, "That's not true. That that's a lie. Uh, it's not like that." Well, don't yeah, because such and such, and such. But I, I was just in my mind, just thinking it, you know. By the third day, I was just listening to how they, their view of reality and how they express certain things. Just listening. Um, The fourth day, I started thinking, is that true? Is it really like that? By the fifth day, I was thinking, my goodness, if this is where I was getting my information from, I'd be as up in arms as some of the people that I disagree with are. And by the sixth day, they had almost converted me. (laughs) And then I understood something, you know? By the seventh day, I could honestly say something had flipped in my understanding, and I could look upon them as my friends, disrespecting their view, even if I thought it was wrong, even if I was sure that it was not beneficial or fruitful, but understanding not only why they understood it that way, but the underlying causes and conditions being steeped in greed, hatred, and delusion. And I went from one of a hating temperament to one of an understanding one. And so he says one of a hating temperament and one of an understanding one. They're not 180 degrees apart. They can be this close. The difference is one hates living beings while the other hates the destructive mental formation. And I changed towards them. Transforming an enemy into a friend, that's something that we can do. And it creates a doorway where we can have dialogue. It creates the possibility for perhaps engaging another in a way that can help them understand something differently, that can soothe their fear that can bring them into their heart space so that they consider another as oneself. But this is going to take a lot of patience. Just because we see something today doesn't mean it happened yesterday. Some things have been going on forever, here and all over the world. Some things have been going on for a couple of hundred years, some things just got started because of some incident that occurred that shifted a person's uh, understanding or thinking about a certain situation or a certain group of people or, you know, in a way that that one traumatic event messed them up. And the way one can mess them up, one can heal. But we have to be that kind of friend. The one who gives what is hard to give. The one who does what is hard to do. It said that a good friend, when misfortune strikes, he doesn't abandon you, and when you're down and out, he doesn't look down on you. And one in whom these traits are found is a friend to be cultivated by anyone who is looking for a friend. So look for a friend, one must be a friend. I think that we are right on the verge, right on the edge at at a time that the Dharma light can really shine. Why? Because we take personal responsibility for our lives, for our thoughts, for our speech, and for our action. We're not looking for anyone to save us or redeem us, but we take this upon ourselves. We have agreed that we can do this. But what it takes is really shining the spotlight upon ourselves and how we present ourselves to the world. I remember when the Dharma started being propagated here. You know, we had to be really careful with it because nobody wanted not another religion. We didn't want not another one we didn't want anything else telling us what to be, how to be, where to be, when to be, and why to be there. We, we needed something that was uh, like unconnected even to any kind of spirituality. But there's no way in our sentience to move beyond that. We are not robots. And so when he speaks of the mind, he's talking about the mind of the heart. That's what makes me different than, what is it, 3PO, what, (laughs) (laughs) CPO3? Yeah. Because we have a heart. We live and we move and we have our being in this world. And we need relationship. Not not the me like him, you, you like him, me kind is what he's saying. But there is a basis for forming relationship that's not attached to it always uh, inuring to our benefit. We have to be able to tolerate something and to go through something. But as we do, step by step, bit by bit, I know some people are really, really uh, scared right now. Seems like your world is changing. And I, my, my heart goes out because I know what that's like. Because ever since I was born, we had to be scared. So I'm like, like we're, we're used to that now. We already know that there's no security to be found anywhere. So I never walk in a room, you know, feeling afraid to be in the room. I take my security, I bring my security in with me. I'm not necessarily looking for anybody out here to love me. I better have enough love for myself. I learned that in my life. So when people don't know that, when they are used to being loved, used to being number one, used to being in the front of the line, You know, and suddenly they have to make that movement. It's it's not, it's not comfortable. It's scary. I get that. But that's why right now I can be a friend. Because I know what you're looking for, and I know what it takes. Each one of us has something in our life that we have overcome. And that's what we offer. That's our offering. That's what we bring. That's what we bring to the community. We don't all have the same thing. We haven't been the same places. We haven't done the same things. We don't have the same experiences. But all of us have an experience. And how I can use that to support someone, that's what's important. It's not so important that we agree. Agreement, these are just ideas. But when we know each other, like personally, uh, intimately, and we start relating to one another like human beings, then we can approach these difficult spaces, and our friendships don't have to break up over it. Yes, I will still have my view, you know, but I just don't have to be attached to it. And in not being so attached to it, it gives me an opportunity to hear something else. So it could be this, which is my view, the right one, and and I can be open to... Well, I could, I could kind of see that. But, you know, once you're, like, stuck and fixed on your view, and then you hear something from the opposing side that you could agree with, like you can't agree with it because you've been so adamant that your view was the right view. And so we, like, just that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. So we just stick to it. But if we were honest, we could kind of see how that could be some cause for concern. So how can we reason together? And this is what it's going to take. And it's going to take a long time. And things might even get worse before they get better. Can you handle it? What kind of dharma do you have? Ten cent dharma? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can your dharma take you all the way. This ennobling path. They call it the noble eightfold path, but to me it is an ennobling path. It one, It's one that lifts us above the ordinary mind. And with that comes a certain kind of confidence that There's uh, nothing that comes in the course of a day that I can't handle. Therefore, I lose my fear of you. I lose my fear of anything. You do the best you can do, and when you know you've done it, that is sufficient. But when we know we haven't done (laughs) the best that we can do, when we know we were unwilling it's like, I just hate myself for that, but we stick with it, sometimes because we want to be thought of as right, sometimes because we want to continue to be with the group we're with, and that's what they think. There was a a, a lady in my sangha some years ago. She's She's no longer there, but... Um, I see her from time to time in the, uh, you know, like in the grocery store and things like that. And I'll, and she'll run up to me old oh, and ask her how she's doing. She says, "I'm just doing great. I'm doing great, you know." And, and uh, "Are you happy?" "Yes, I'm happy," and it's wonderful. But when she came to me, some years ago, she was in a pitiful shape. She said, uh, "My friends." At the country club, they're sending me hate letters, and I said, "Well, uh, why are they doing that?" She said, "Well, because I'm um, I'm voting for Obama." So I said, uh, "Okay." And what is it you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> she said, uh, "She said I want to know how to get my." friends back. I want my friends. I said, you mean those that are sending you the hate letters? You know? And she said, yeah. I said, oh, oh, I can't help you with that. Just take that Obama sticker off your car, you stop talking about them, and you'll get your friends back. She said, thank you so much. <laughs> and she did it. You know? What else was there for me? <laughs> That's a true story. What else? What else was there for me to say to her? So we have to listen carefully and know what a person is asking for. And sometimes when they're crying out, it's like a like a baby in pain. Something's sticking them. You have to feel see, it. Well, I don't know, we all use the stickums now, but we had safety pins in my day. You know, so you had to look to make sure the safety pin hadn't popped open or something like that, or that they weren't wet. You know, when I checked everything and there was nothing there, it's like they just want to hear their voice. And I I left them with that, you know. And after a while, they just settled down. When they realized I'm not going to come running, every time you say, why, then they were like, oh, no need, she's not coming and uh and then they saw that i would come all my kids i will come when you settle down and that's how i trained them you know in a week it didn't take long time in a week i mean we're just so uh wonderfully made we have the capacity for like to change like that we think oh it's gonna it takes me a long time no But the willingness, the desire to be on the right side of things, the useful side, that's the right side. The beneficial side, that's the right side. The one that allows us to go forward. And so I ask you, what can you surrender today to be in that place? And in evaluating who is your friend. What there is the benefit. When I found this teaching, I had to do a check. I had to check myself. And I saw some places I had to clean up something. You know, because the thing is, I, I, I choose to be a friend to all. And as I say, they may not be my friend. But what does that to do with me? I can still be their friend. So that one who left, I mean, didn't just leave. She passed rumors about me. Not rumors, they were just lies, you No. Know? And someone came to me and they said, what is she saying such and such and such and such about you. I said, oh. She said, well, we have to do something. I said, no, we don't. I said, the Buddha said, you know, people may say those things about you, just don't let it be true. That's all, he said, just don't let it be true. Generally, things come out in the wash and sometimes they never do. Can you handle that? And so, uh, and he said, and I know it's not true because I went downtown and checked. Now, that was my friend. I said, oh, so you didn't come and ask me. You went downtown and <laughs> checked. <laughs> and he turned, like, beet red, you know, and it like, slunk out. You know? And said, I it's okay. I understand. <laughs> you have to just understand these kinds of things and not be perturbed by them. Just understanding the unenlightened human nature. But we should be better than that. Yeah? So I'm encouraged today that we have a Dharma that can point us in this direction. And that if we are willing to allow it to discipline us, you know, to uproot our unruliness, our impatience, you know, our self-seeking nature and our ways of self-aggrandizement, then we will become uh, fit for use, fit for service. It takes a surrender of something to inherit this prize. And we ask ourselves, if we thought this was a a, a show-me-dharma, if we thought this was a a dharma that helps us to be happier with our things, that is not the Buddha's doctrine nor the Buddha's discipline. But if we want to be free, I mean really free inside, owing no man anything but to love him, there is a way, there is a teaching, and there is a path. What if we thought about living our lives in service to others? And how that would make us feel. What a sense of worth and value it would give us. How easy it would be to forget about oneself. You know, we're trying to like give up this and give up that and get out the self and, you know. But if we just moved our focus. The Buddha said, for what reason do we go forth into homelessness? He said to be a refuge for the world. He didn't say we do it for ourselves either. Of course, you know, whatever we do, we do for ourselves. Isn't it true? You know, when whatever seed we plant, that's the tree that grows. That's our fruit. That's our reward. So even when I'm doing something for you, you know, I'm really doing it for myself. It's just no thought I am doing. It's just how it goes, though. That's the great benefit of it. I don't have to worry so much about myself, just do good. And I'm planting seeds of goodness that get watered and they produce trees of goodness. No need. That's why I could give up notions of heaven and hell. You know, I don't have to pray to somebody take me to heaven. I just plant heavenly seeds. And that will be my fruit. That will be my reward. He said, my doctrine is simple. Do good. Don't do evil. And purify your mind. I lay it all down. I lay it all down lay it all down in service i lay it all down lay it all down lay it all down in service i lay down my foolish pride all the pain i feel deep inside my future and my past are the worthless things that will not last all my dreams and my ambitions lust for fame or high positions the greatest gift that i can give it's a life that I live. Oh, lay it all down freely, giving it, it all to you. Lay it down in service. That's the teaching of the Buddha. You see, I'm getting better. Because I used to be Pentecostal and charismatic. If it was all night, it was all right. So you all are doing a good job in training me. Th- and, and I think I'm even early tonight. <laughs> Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org